Welcome to the final episode of the first season of HIV Reimagined, Conversations for Change, where we speak to the people doing things differently in healthcare. Now, in this season, we've already talked about digital health, mental health, health services for young people, and diagnostics. And today, we're going to take an unusual topic for our conversation, and it's multi-month dispensing. The idea of giving several months supply of drugs to people who have chronic illnesses in order to avoid them having to come back frequently to the clinic to pick up their medication. We have lots of great conversations lined up for you today, and the people we'll be speaking to will be from across the spectrum of service users, health workers, peer mentors, program implementers, and even senior program officers from the Ministry of Health. Our first guest in the studio is Nathan Ford. Nathan is the scientific officer in charge of HIV service delivery within the HIV department at the World Health Organization. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Why are we talking about multi-month dispensing today? Why is this so important to the future of health systems? I think there are so many different parts of healthcare delivery that need fixing. There are many, many things that are not working well that need to be improved and innovation is needed across the board. The reason for me MMD is an incredibly important innovation is because it's a wedge issue into giving much more empowerment to the person living with HIV themselves. They get to have a say in where and when and how often they receive healthcare if this is done well. So MMD isn't just an innovation that hopefully will give better health outcomes. It's more importantly than that, an innovation that gives more power to the person living with HIV themselves to decide how and when and how often they get care. So Nathan, where did all of this start? Tell us a little bit about the history of multi-month dispensing. I believe the evolution of multi-month dispensing is an incredibly important story. We go back 20 years, so 2003, the focus of the world's attention in starting treatment for HIV in low and middle income settings was very much about just getting treatment going. And we wanted to get people on treatment to save their lives. A few years later, in 2007, a big systematic review of various studies that were published around the world showed that longer term outcomes were pretty terrible. They were very frightening. Retention in care was very low, which means around one in two people who started treatment had dropped out of care within two years of starting treatment. It was understood that long distances to clinics to pick up their medicines and long waiting times once you get to the clinic were major reasons people dropped out of care. They couldn't afford to take the time off work. They couldn't afford to make these long journeys to pick up the pills. And so they dropped out of care. And the model of care at the time was that people would have to go every single month to get in the line, wait a whole day, pick up their medicines. So then in 2008, the medical aid agency, Doctors Without Borders, had an innovative pilot program in northern Mozambique, Tete province, where they tried this model called CAGS, 
community ARV groups where people were brought together into groups of six and each month one of those six people would go off to a clinic and pick up medicines for everybody. Each person would only have to go once every six months. In 2010, they published the results where they found that 98% of people were still in care after two years. And this compares to 50%, which was the average. One year later, 2011, it was picked up in the New York Times and published as a model way of providing HIV care delivery. WHO cited it as a best practice example. 2012, the International HIV Conference, CROI, the results were presented and received a standing ovation. And then in 2016, it went into WHO guidelines. Then in 2017, WHO and a number of other agencies, including UNICEF, published a key considerations document where they clarified that multi-month dispensing was not just for healthy, adult, non-pregnant population, but could be applied to children, adolescents, pregnant and breastfeeding women, and key populations. And ever since 2017, the model of multi-month dispensing has evolved and further innovations have occurred. That's a really incredible story, Nathan. And to think that such a simple idea, this notion that Maybe you don't have to go to the clinic every time yourself to pick up your medication on a monthly basis could have such an incredible impact. It was really quite astonishing. But why did it take so long for that fantastic idea for the world to sort of sit up and pay attention and start rolling it out? Why was this long delay? People were worried about the high price of medicines, the possibility of drug resistance, the medications being quite toxic because the drugs we used back then had a lot more side effects. And there was almost a, I would suggest, paternalistic approach in which doctors and other healthcare professionals were prescribing very cautiously medicines on a monthly basis and insisting that patients made all those efforts to get to the clinic every single month. Fortunately, we've moved on. Now, all the policies were in place. The evidence was very clear. The guidelines had been written. Even some countries maybe had begun to implement some of these ideas. And then along comes COVID. And COVID forces us to think almost overnight in a very different way about how we could deliver services to people living with HIV. How did COVID change things so dramatically? Absolutely. So COVID comes along and there was an intense emphasis on the need for physical distancing. For HIV programs, one of the most obvious adaptations to implement was multi-month dispensing so that people living with HIV didn't have to go to a health care setting every month. They could rather receive a six-monthly script and you wouldn't have to see them again for six months. It relieved the burden on the health system which was dealing with a lot of COVID, and it relieved the risk that a patient could have in being in an overcrowded healthcare setting. So MMD as a policy got rapidly accelerated and 
many countries today have maintained that what for them was quite an innovative policy. And and, and multi-month dispensing is just one aspect of what we might think of as a community-based service delivery model. Why is it that multi-month dispensing has been the key that has allowed countries to sort of move from a facility-based type of service into recognizing that much more could be and should be done within communities, with communities in partnership? That's a very good question. And and I think one could again take a step back and look at history where when the HIV treatment services began, it was doctors prescribing medicines in the hospital and the patients were required to go to those centres to receive the care they needed. But as certain approaches became more and more relaxed, so task sharing suggested you don't need to necessarily always see a doctor. Perhaps a nurse can give you the care you need or even a trained lay health worker. And similarly, you don't necessarily need to go to a hospital if you're not severely ill. You could be given the care you need at a primary care setting. And so a gradual relaxation of the approach to service delivery has been an incremental evolution of the global HIV response over the last two decades. Multi-month dispensing has allowed consideration to provide those medicines not in a hospital or even in a clinic, but perhaps looking at opportunities for dispensing medications out in the community, because with it comes the awareness that if you are not clinically sick, you don't need to see a doctor and you don't need to go to a hospital. You can pick up your medicines in a much more relaxed way in community settings. Thank you. In today's episode on MMD, our examples are all from sub-Saharan Africa. Nathan, why do you think that is? Why do you think sub-Saharan Africa has taken the lead in implementing this extraordinary and simple intervention? So that's an excellent question. And I think there are many more examples than MMD that that speaks to. The origins of MMD were innovation driven by necessity. There was a need to keep people in care, keep them on the medicines that kept them alive. And so innovation happened. And I think it was almost inevitable that that would be born out of a context that is very resource limited and very rural. That's, in my mind, why it was established in sub-Saharan Africa. But it has broad application across all health services. And I would like to see task sharing decentralization, differentiated service delivery, and MMD being applied in high-income countries because I think it would serve clients better and save the health system money. We're going to be talking to lots of different people on today's episode. Some of them are clients themselves, others are mentor mothers. What do you think is perhaps the most key perspective that we need to understand and, and why? The key perspective has to be the voice of the clients because in the end, the way in which these services are being innovated are all with the ultimate goal of ensuring that people stay in care and and live a 
live a normal life. And we know that if you are taking your HIV medicines, adhering well, and remaining in care, you can live as long as someone who is HIV negative. And that's, that's the goal of MMD differentiated service delivery. It's all about ensuring that the people who need HIV medicines can get them when they need them and, and take them sustainably so that they have good outcomes. So I, most of all, I would want the perspective of the clients themselves well, coming up very shortly, we have a conversation between a client, Pabalo, a young mother, and her health worker. But we're also going to be talking to a peer mental mother, Makeletso in Lesotho. Is there a question you'd really love us to put to Makeletso? If I was speaking to service providers, I think the key question would be, what challenges do you face in rolling out MMD? And what support do you need from organizations like UNICEF or the World Health Organization or the international donors in order to move that policy forward? Nathan, that's a great question. Thank you for that. We'll be putting that question to our next studio guest, Dr. Lydia Mpango, when we speak to her later in the episode. If you had to pull out your crystal ball, Nathan, where do you think this is going? I mean, MMD is the thin end of the wedge. You've already talked about how that was one aspect of recognizing how care could be delivered within communities. Let's just take that forwards. What could it look like in 10 or 15 years time? What I hope it will look like and what I feel it absolutely has to look like is an integrated approach because if the same person has more than one disease which is incredibly common let's say an hiv positive individual who also has diabetes or who also has tuberculosis that individual it's not sustainable to have one model for their receipt of HIV drugs, which is very relaxed. They only need to go to a place to pick up their HIV medicines once every six months. But then when it comes to their other disease, they have to follow a totally different frequency to pick up their medicines when in fact they're not ill. Neither of the diseases they have are making them sick. But because the health system has different prescribing practices, the patient ends up having a very burdensome engagement with the health system to begin with. So what we need is more integration. We need a person who has multiple diseases but is not sick and doesn't need to see a doctor for that individual to have the same rhythm apply for all of the medicines they need. Some of these concepts of people taking charge of their own health in the community of receiving medications through mechanisms other than going to the hospital on a monthly basis. Some of these concepts apply across different kinds of diseases that have nothing to do with HIV. Yes, and in this conversation we've been having, myself in particular, have been overusing the word patient when increasingly the word we want to be using is recipient of care or client. Because if an individual is infected with a chronic disease but is not sick and doesn't need to see a doctor, doesn't need to be in a hospital, then effectively they're not patients, they're individuals who have to manage a particular disease. And self-care 
and self-empowerment of that individual are absolutely critical. They're not patients, they're clients of the healthcare system, they're recipients of care, and they need to be able to access those services as lightly as possible and according to what fits into their life. So going back to the original origin of MMD, MMD caught on because it was a response to this high rate of people dropping out of care. And they were dropping out of care because going to the clinic every month didn't fit in with their lives. They had busy work schedules and they had families to take care of. And these principles still apply very much today. And this is absolutely why we need to move ever closer to self-care and client-driven services. Nathan, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. What a great introduction to this topic and to this episode. One of the things that Nathan mentioned was the importance of asking clients about their experiences. And our next conversation tries to do just that. It's time to hear what happened when Mum Pabalo and HIV clinical nurse Sister Monaheng spoke about the difference that MMD has made to their practice in Lesotho. We caught up with them at the busy preschool where Pabalo works. My name is Mutuwamanaheng. I'm a nurse. I work at ECPAF as a TB HIV clinical nurse. I met Babalo when she was coming for her art refills at the facility. Hi, my name is Babalo. I met Sister Mutakwa during art refill. Yes, I have a kid and he's negative. Um, before you got the six months supply, how was your health status? How did you manage to get to the clinic and what was what was normal for you? Before the MMD, every patient was given one month treatment supply. We took the viral loads to check whether the viral load is suppressed or or not. Mm-hmm. So my viral load was suppressed and I was given three months. Was it really hard to come every month for your checkup? It was really hard and it was tiring. At some times, transport, it wasn't easy for, for the transport. How did the three or six months supply that you got affect you? The switching to the MMD helped me save time. Right now, I'm teaching my students here. So I have much time with them rather than going every month, leaving them. Yes, if you get more than one month supply, mostly you find that we can retain a lot of patients into care. Unlike when you have given them every month supply, they tend to default because of the jobs, the distance from the facility, from where they live and the situations at work and financially too, sorry. For me, because we get help very quickly, before we used to spend almost the day in a long queue for the checkups and treatment refill. But now we get help very quickly. My perspective is that uh, with the multi-month dispensing, we get to schedule manageable patients for a day. That's where I said we can give them quality time and quality services. We get to have good adherence out of all the patients. So I really recommend the multi-month dispensing. Many thanks to Babalo and Sister Monaheng for talking with us. Both Babalo and the sister from Lesotho agree that 
multi-month dispensing has had a positive impact on their lives. And it's interesting to hear firsthand what Nathan spoke about earlier on the effect of reducing those travel times to clinics and the journeys that are needed to access care. Today, we're joined in the studio by someone who can talk to us more about that impact, as well as some of the opportunities and challenges of multi-month dispensing. Welcome, Dr. Mpango. Thank you very much, Shafiq. Um, it's really great to be here and uh, discussing a topic that is really exciting. Thank you. Dr. Lydia Mpango has over 15 years of working experience in HIV, TB, and the prevention of mother-to-child transmission of HIV. She's both a doctor as well as a program manager, and she currently serves as the advisor to Aspire, a project led by the Elizabeth Glazer Pediatric AIDS Foundation in Eswatini that provides technical assistance to the HIV program. Dr. Mpango, this is a podcast about doing things differently in healthcare. From your perspective, why do you think it's really important that we focus on multi-month dispensing as one of our topics? So multi-month dispensing is a very important topic to cover because it speaks to improving continuity in care across populations. In Eswatini, multi-month dispensing has been implemented from as far back as 2008. But this, for the most part, was for adults and for older children. And in most cases, it was up to three months. So this still led to frequent drug pickups and clinical visits for otherwise stable patients. With the advent of COVID, this brought about policy adaptations that helped to expand multi-month dispensing in terms of the duration of ARVs that are dispensed, and also scaling across different populations, including younger children, breastfeeding, and pregnant women who were previously left out. And Babalo is actually a relatively recent mother herself. So this extension of multi-month dispensing to pregnant and breastfeeding women is especially important for women like Babalo. What sort of benefits do you think that innovations such as multi-month dispensing really, really bring, especially for pregnant and breastfeeding women? I feel that the issue of patient cost and when I say patient cost, it's in terms of transportation costs, time away from work, time away from school. I think that this is something that's really very important for pregnant and breastfeeding women. And multi-month dispensing helps to reduce those costs. Um, also, when the mother has a larger dispensing of ARVs, she can come to the clinic for other services and spend shorter times other than the long waiting times that we had before. So I, I really feel that this is really very important uh, for the pregnant and breastfeeding mother. You know, it's so, it's so important to take that patient-centered perspective on this. We as clinicians, as program people, we often put in place a service without really thinking about the effect of what that has on, on the daily lives of the clients that we serve. And from what you're describing and what Babalo has talked about, it's really remarkable to not have to go to the clinic that frequently to reduce the travel time and the cost of travel to get access to care. But have you seen from the other side of the fence, from the health worker's perspective, 
Have you experienced any challenges about rolling out multi-month dispensing? And, and if so, how have you tried to address those? So, yes, every change comes with concerns, especially from the health system. And some of the concerns that we saw from healthcare workers, especially in the Swaziland context, was scaling up multi-month dispensing within the context of optimization of ARVs to pediatric DTG. And so some of the things that we did was capacity building for healthcare workers on criteria for MMD. Also, we provided them with tools that would enable them to dose appropriately. There were also concerns regarding supply chain. Now in the Swatini, we have not had challenges with stock, but still it was very necessary to support at facility and regional and national level supply chain to make sure that we would have enough stock. Um, another thing that we had to address was their understanding of viral loads and stable clients to ensure that the eligible patients were able to get the service. And those who were did not have uh, viral loads at the time were still able to get that service. Uh, there were issues about access to other services like viral load monitoring, cervical cancer screening, also prevention services like for uh, TPT. Those were other concerns that healthcare workers had. And so we provided mentorship in order to make sure these services were still available. So multi-month dispensing isn't for everybody all of the time. It's really something that is for clients that are stable, not clients that are newly initiating treatment, perhaps. And so you have to have some of those clinical criteria in place and the services that are needed to be able to effectively make those decisions and determine who gets to start. Yes, but remember, this was within the context of COVID. Yeah, exactly. So um, when we began, even unstable patients were put on multi-month dispensing and efforts were made in order to strengthen appointment scheduling and actively following up for some of these delinked services because of MMD. COVID certainly challenged us in many respects, and especially at the community level, I think the impact of COVID was felt most strongly. So it's time to switch gears a little bit and hear from the community, from Makeletso, who lives in Lesotho. Lesotho is an extraordinary country full of mountains and great natural beauty. But that same beauty creates challenges for people to access care. And too many young people don't have uh, access to sexual and reproductive health services and education. Makeletso was only 18 when she found out that she was living with HIV following a routine HIV test during her pregnancy. She's fortunate to have a supportive family and she was adherent to her treatment and gave birth to an HIV-free baby. But when Makeletso saw that Mothers to Mothers in Lesotho was recruiting women living with HIV to become mentors for their community, she knew that she wanted to be part of that change. Today, Makeletso is an HIV testing services mentor mother herself, providing HIV and syphilis counseling and testing services in her community and working alongside the nurses that also support the Mothers to Mothers program. In this way, Makeletso is key to ensuring that no one in Lesotho is left behind. 
and that everyone has access to life-saving healthcare services. Hello, I am Makileto Khomungwe. I am living at Lesotho where I work as a HIV testing services mentor for mothers to mothers. My work is to do the actual test of HIV and counseling. Before we began the multi-month dispensing prescriptions, an average day had many clients and long waiting time for people who traveled long distance to simply pick up the medication. It was congested at the clinics. Patients had to wait in long queues and doctors and nurses had little time to see any additional patients on the day. So clients complained about waiting time, which led to many people staying away and missing appointments. This contributed to the poor appearance. Lesotho is mountainous and clients live in remote villages. So traveling to clinic is often difficult and costly. When we were first told about the multi-month dispensing, clinical staff, other implementing partners and service providers initially had concerns about how multi-month dispensing would affect the supply chain. They had a negative attitude to changing or improving the system. Clients did not have any concerns as they saw multi-month dispensing as an advantage. They would now only have to come every six months to pick up their, their medication. So this helped to save on the travel costs. We asked Makeletso what impact she had seen since the move to multi-month dispensing. For people living with HIV, as the adherence rate amongst our clients has improved and the number of defaulters has decreased. So it has also reduced the burden on the health facilities, which allows us to have much time with our clients and give them the enough support they needed. Dr. Mpango, Makeletso talks about adherence rates increasing for people living with HIV and, of course, reducing burden on health facilities. What is your perspective on this? Would you agree with what Makeletso mentions? Yes, I would agree that uh, multi-month dispensing has had very many positive effects in terms of adherence and keeping appointments. One of the issues, like she highlighted, uh, issues around transportation. And in Eswatini, we do see patients migrating for work or for home issues. And so multi-month dispensing has helped to ensure continued ART. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see increasing viral load suppression rates across all populations, including pregnant and breastfeeding women, children and adolescents. And also when we take a look at things like on-time appointments, uh, retention at 6, 12, and 24 months, all these are above 90%. So I really do feel that what she is saying, um, MMD has really had a positive impact on adherence and retention, even within the Eswatini context. And let's hear from Makaletso whether she, at the end of the day, thinks MMD is a positive thing. Yeah, this has been a good thing because we have those clients who are working far away from home that are working in another countries. I can make an example of someone who is from Lesotho and working in South Africa. They may come home maybe twice a year. So with the six-month supply, it says if our client takes the treatment on January, then June when she or he comes home, she'll take the treatment that will sustain her until December when she comes back home. Now, Makeletso is both a client herself as well as a provider. So we wanted to know if she had faced any challenges with implementing or using MMD. The only challenge that we're experiencing was that if our clients are taking 
they supply for more months and maybe their appointments are, are due for blood test, for an example. So you may find that they are delaying for the other appointments. But through the peer via phone platform, we are able to remind our clients to come for, for their blood test. And we are also going to the communities to assist them with the other services. So that is not really challenging because we, we were able to overcome that. MMDC team can be improved by engaging community leaders. If we educate and notify community leaders about their planned multi-month dispensing delivery, they can encourage more uptake of these services. I can also think of including other essential supplies or commodities as part of the community health work pack. For example, we can make the distributions of condoms. So this will help to reduce the stigma and discrimination. We should also advocate that this service runs beyond a six-month refill for stable clients because there are still those clients who are not able to come home throughout the year. So if we can extend that period and give them maybe the supply of the year, it says we can be able to cater for all our clients. Thank you so much, Michaelet. So what an incredible perspective from somebody who's an end user and who sees all of the potential of multi-month dispensing. As always, if you want to know more about any of the great people we're speaking to in this episode, head to our episode notes or to childrenandaids.org forward slash HIV reimagined to learn more. Now, let's get back to our studio guest, Dr. Lydia Mpango. Dr. Lydia, Makeletso just spoke about the importance of involving community leaders in the implementation of multi-month dispensing. Do you have examples of how community leadership has helped in the planning and rollout of multi-month dispensing in the programs that you've been supervising? Yes, involving community leaders in the planning and implementation of multi-month dispensing has really fostered the buy-in by the recipients of care and of raising demand for the service. So as Swatini, we've been able to integrate multi-month dispensing both at facility and community level. Also, we see an increased patient literacy regarding viral load suppression, continuating care, issues around drug storage at home and keeping of appointments through engagement of community leaders. Also, we've been able to strengthen our M&E systems, our procurement and supply systems, and also integration of other things into MMD like NCD treatment and also prevention services. Did you find that community leaders were supportive of this idea? Did they understand why this was important? Did they see the impact that it would have? Yes, they did. And and this is why we had such a big buy-in from the recipients of care. Uh, the whole idea of not having to come to the clinic frequently and also the reduced cost to come to the facility. And also in the context of COVID, uh, reduced risk of, of exposure to COVID really, really had a buy-in, of, give us a buy-in from the community. Uh, how can these best practices be further supported? I mean, what do you see as the future for how we continue to roll out multi-month dispensing? So I think that in order for us to continue with the rollout of multi-month dispensing, we still need to strengthen supply chain 
at all levels. And then also stock availability for other not so commonly used products now, like uh, medications for second line or protease inhibitors. Sometimes the stock levels of these are not as adequate as our first line. Also, packaging of drugs for pediatric patients is something else that should be put into consideration for support. Inclusion of smaller count bottles in addition to the bigger count bottles to make sure that we can align refills for the caregiver and for the child. I think these are some of the things that would really help us to further scale up multi-month dispensing. That's really helpful because when we were talking to Nathan Ford from WHO, who was one of our other studio guests for this episode, uh, he specifically said, you know, if we speak to a service provider, ask them about the challenges that they face and the things that we can do to really help them. Uh, and you've provided us with some very practical ideas that we could put in place from the global health community. And this is just off script for me, Lydia, but I'm just interested yeah. as, as part of the package of services that you provide. Is there a way that a client can reach their provider? They're not seeing them as often. They're waiting several months before their next clinic appointment. But if they had a question or a concern, is there a way that they could reach a provider through a warm line or some other setup that might facilitate that sense of continuity of care? Definitely. And this is something that's being implemented in several countries, including Swaziland. We do engage with patients on virtual platforms, using calls, uh, using WhatsApp video support. We also have got a U-Report platform where patients, both children and their caregivers and other patients are able to ask questions or type questions and receive real-time assistance. For healthcare workers, we also have got an ART TB helpline, which is stationed at Baylor, which is also a way for us to be able to reach patients where they are. Fantastic. So far, we've heard from a client user, health worker, a peer mentor mother, and of course, Dr. Nathan Ford and Dr. Lydia Mpango. But what does multi-month dispensing look like when you're implementing from the government's perspective? Here to tell us more is Dr. Ivan Arinaitwe, Senior Program Officer for Differentiated Service Delivery in the Ministry of Health's AIDS Control Program in Uganda. Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Ivan Arinaitwe. I work with the, the Ministry of Health AIDS Control Program in Uganda as the National Coordinator for Differentiated Service Delivery. With multi-month dispensing, uh, which is under the Differentiated Service Delivery, uh, one of the game changers was COVID-19. When it came in in 2020 in Africa or Uganda, we had to find a way of having continuity of uh, care for the recipients of care um, receiving ARVs. And uh, in this, we had to have policy changes. Policy changes came in with having different people given drugs from facilities that they were not apparently from. And also um, with the lockdown, we had to find ways of giving many drugs, uh, many months of drugs to people such that they can survive without having to take uh, long routes to the clinics. 
with this, uh, the game changer was that the ministry sat down with a few members from uh, the bodies that govern or oversee the recipients of care in Uganda and developed policies to improve on service delivery in case we would have another pandemic like COVID-19. And in this one that came out a lot was uh, giving three months to six months, uh, that is the MMD, but also looking at the stocks at hand. So you were allowed to give as much as six months, but looking at your stock, you would give maybe three or six. A lot of mentorships and the trainings were ongoing for the health workers and trying to convince them that it is okay to give someone three months or six months, and that person can actually keep their appointment and return to the facility. The only hurdle of viral load we did was that we delinked viral load from appointments. So even if your appointment is in the month's time, it should not render you from getting your three months refill because we shall endeavor to tell you why you need to come and have a viral load. So that was the game changer uh, through the COVID-19. Dr. Ivan talked about the urgency of rolling out multi-month dispensing in response to COVID. We asked him if from his perspective within the Ministry of Health, whether the rollout of MMD had been smooth or challenging. From the government side, we thought it would be easy, but we had not thought about the impact it would have on the health facilities. One of them was we have both government facilities and uh, the private not-for-profit, and people having to get more months means that less people would have to be at the clinic, uh, which would scare some of the workers if they would still have jobs when you're giving MMDs. So a lot had to come through mentorships and trainings and reinforcing the fact that As we give the MMDs, one of the advantages is that the clinics and the waiting time at any clinic, high-volume clinics, would reduce from about three hours to about 10 minutes for the few that on any model that was giving MMDs. But also the clinicians had to get more time to facilitate clients that needed their time. With that hurdle off, the clients, of course, accepted the model because It was reducing on their transport necessities. If I have to come to the clinic every month and now I have to come once in six months, I can save up to uh, the transport to come. So this also helped us in terms of improving other um, indicators unknowingly, um, like viral load suppression and retention along the way. That's a really interesting perspective. I hadn't thought about the effect on health providers feeling as if they might soon be out of a job because the volume of work dropped so rapidly. Dr. Lydia, is that something that you saw in the clinics that you were supporting when rolling out MMD? Actually, interestingly, no. Uh, We did not face the same kind of response from healthcare workers. They were very happy to have the clinics less busy because they could then focus on patients who really needed their attention and not so much on stable patients. They more embraced it in in terms of implementation. So you talked about the ability to use your time more effectively. We asked Dr. Ivan, about the impact of multi-month dispensing on some of the priority groups that they had been concerned about in Uganda. 
we've seen some of the priority groups like the youth 10 or 15 to 24 and then the men uh, we've seen an increase and uh, improvement in seeking of health services in that category because since they also don't like coming to the facilities more often with multi-month dispensing they can find at least a day and come to uh, the clinic to be seen. The other thing that has come out through this is uh, uh, what I just mentioned earlier is uh, the improved viral load suppression across all age groups, including the children and adolescents that are always below, but also the retention whereby because I have to come maybe twice a year at the facility, I can't fail to make that time. Dr. Ivan just said that reducing patient visits to around twice a year means that they're more likely to prioritize attending, less likely to be lost to follow up. Dr. Lydia, is this true from your experience? Yes, much like Dr. Ivan had said, we do see an increase in viral load suppression rates across all populations. Our children are still lagging behind, but they're much better than what they were before. In terms of on-time appointments, we also see a great improvement. More than 90% of our patients come on time. And when we take a look at retention at 6, 12, and 24 months, all this is above 95%, specifically for male populations as well. So yes, we do have the same kind of experience. Let's turn back to Dr. Ivan now and hear about perhaps some of the biggest challenges for implementing multi-month dispensing? The biggest challenge we shall have with MMDs is usually, and of course, the commonest, that is the stock status. So we find that as well as we wish to give everyone six months, we may not have the stock that lasts that ample time. So usually you will have that we are doing MMDs, but you will find The six months, the three months, or the three to five months are kind of still lower than the ones between one month to three months. And uh, it's all because the clinics try to keep some stock for anyone that will come in vis-a-vis giving the first come, first serve six months, and the rest of the people that come in are getting one month. So our biggest challenge will be the stocks for the ARVs. That has been really informative. Thank you very much to Dr. Ivan Arinaitwe. We've heard from lots of people across the MMD spectrum today, health providers, program managers, clients, doctors themselves. This podcast is all about doing things differently. Dr. Lydia, what is the one thing that you would love to see done differently around the rollout of multi-month dispensing? I would like to see greater integration with other commodities. Mm. Uh, We have an aging population. And a lot of these patients are comorbid. And if I get uh, my multi-month dispensing for my ARVs, but I cannot get that for my hypertensive or my diabetic medication, then I'm really not providing comprehensive patient-centered care. I think that's spot on, Dr. Lydia. What do you think is the most exciting prospect for the future of multi-month dispensing? Is this going to be a game changer for the way that health services are delivered? Yes, I think that this is one of the cornerstones for patient-centered care. And this is the focus that we now have, meeting patients where they are and providing them services that are tailored to them. In doing this, 
we hope that we're going to be able to achieve and sustain the last 95 across all populations to improve long-term outcomes. So I, I really feel that's exciting. You know, it's such a simple idea, right? I was just speaking from from my experience. If I'm on a on a prescription, not only do I get multi month prescriptions, the pharmacy will actually call me when my drug is running out and say, "Can we send you a new three month supply?" So it's such a it's such an obvious thing that uh, could be done to improve adherence and reduce the burden of caring for yourself that we put upon people. But it's just taken so long. And it, it wasn't until COVID, in a way, that we were forced to make this transition at scale. That's true. That's true. And the sick patients who require more frequent monitoring are not the majority. They are the minority. Yeah. So multi-month dispensing really would benefit the majority so that those that have got opportunistic infections, those that are failing treatment, actually get the time that they need to be seen and supported in order also to achieve biological suppression. Yeah. But they cannot do that in a crowd. It's rare that you you find an intervention that is both cost-saving, speeds up care, and delivers on better care for the clients that, that need it. And this is one of those ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sold. I'm sold on, on multiple <laughs> dispensing. Dr. Lydia, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much too, Shafiq. It's really been a pleasure being in this discussion with you and we look forward to further scaling up MMD. Well, that's a fantastic note to end on. Thanks to all the great people who've had conversations for change with us today. Babalo and Sister Moynihang, Makeletso, Dr. Ivan Arinaitwe, Dr. Lydia Mpango and Nathan Ford. This is our final episode. We've already had telemedicine and the impact that that has had on service delivery. We had a youth takeover. We've talked about the challenges of delivering services around mental health. And we also had a conversation with Trevor Peter about the future of diagnostics. So subscribe to the podcast to find out news if there's going to be a new series or new episodes. We'd love to know what you think and what you'd like to hear about next. And make sure that you're subscribed to our newsletter for regular updates. Visit childrenandaids.org forward slash HIV reimagined. I've been your host, Dr. Shafiq Isaji. Thank you for listening.